And straightway, many were gathered together, insomuch that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. And using the last portion of that verse of Scripture, and he preached the word unto them. Let us pray. Brother Junor, would you ask the Lord's blessings? Amen. There was a town meeting. I'd like to preach a thought of a message using the verse of Scripture, Mark chapter 2 and verse 2. And he preached the word unto them. I'd like to preach a message, the thought of getting the word out. Getting the word out. So a woman, she she was kind of weeping on her front porch. And her cat had recently died, okay? So her neighbor, you know, people would come by and bring things to her, you know, goodies, and it was a beloved cat. And so finally her neighbor came and just kind of sat right next to her for a little while, and then eventually he kind of mustered up the courage, and he said, do you mind if I say a word? And she, she kind of dabs her eyes, and she said, Okay, go, go, go right ahead. So he clears his throat and he says, Plethora. And the woman, she kind of wipes her eyes and she said, Thanks, that means a lot. <laughs> okay. That's what. Uh. So, Mark chapter 2 and verse 1. When you get the word out, how do you do it? You know, our word is seemingly our bond. If someone gives you their word, that is a promise, isn't it? Someone says, I'm going to give you my word. And, and we'll sign our names. What does that symbolize? Us, our word, we'll shake on it. All of those things. It says that I'm going to do what I said I'm going to do. It's to validate what we said. Well, in the Bible, we find that Jesus entered into Capernaum. It was a fishing village on the north side of the Sea of Galilee. It means the uh, village of Nahum. And the Bible said it was noised that he was in the house. You know, no matter where you preach, it's not where you preach. Jesus, this was a fishing village. It wasn't Jerusalem, right? So some think, well, I can only hear the word of God if it's in a cathedral. But the Bible says it was noised abroad that he was in the house. Jesus would condescend to preach in a house. Well, preacher, but the word of God isn't really work in a house. Well, I beg to differ. Because when I gave my life to Jesus Christ, I went to church in a house. 
Now it was converted and there were chairs out and you know it was a serviceman's work to reach out to the military. But it was a house and you can check it out on Google, 922 Vista Way in Oceanside, California. Why is that so important? Because that was where the preacher lifted up the word of God. He preached the word unto me. And the Bible says that Jesus, when he had all of these people together, what did he do? Did he just begin healing people? Did he just begin uh, uh, breaking bread and fish and having like some uh, barbecue? Because he could do that, you know, Jesus could do that. He didn't. The Bible said when he saw all of these people and it wasn't an announced giving, they just found out, oh, Jesus is there. Let's all go and see what Jesus is going to say. And the Bible said that he preached the word unto them. You know, there's something about it when Jesus only had a little time. And if he only had a little time, what would the, be the most important thing that God could do? He got the word out. He got the word out. You know, today you can get the word out pretty quick. With the modern invention of the internet and... Uh, we have a podcast, and you can look at who listens on your podcast from the operator, and it says like Singapore, the Philippines, Puerto Rico, uh, I think Russia, and uh, what was the other one? There are several countries where people have listened to the podcast. The word can get out where? Ireland. Yeah, so, and uh, word gets out. I remember this lady called me from Uzbekistan. Uzbekistan. Never been there. And when she called, she was in the military there. And there was an echo, so she'd say hello. And then it would say, hello. 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 And so she uh, wanted, she was concerned about people in her unit. She wanted to tell them because the local unit was from Florida, somewhere around here. So she knew the church was in Jacksonville. She attended our church and and uh, so she called to get some information from me, from Uzbekistan. And uh, she said, sir, can you spell your name? And I said, sure. And I spelled my name, you know, Bigelow. And so she said, I've heard of you. I know who you are. You know, preachers, I don't know how many preachers are heard of in Uzbekistan. And then she continued, she, she burst my bubble. She said, you're that guy that takes long showers. Well, there's this... There's a joke at conference about me taking long showers, and it goes a long way back. Well, the word had gotten out. The word had gotten out to Uzbekistan, which is like, think Afghanistan and then go a little bit further, okay? There are a lot of people that can find things out with modern technology. But when we think about getting the word out, and I'll tell you about that later sometime if you want to know, but Jesus preached the word of God. The Bible said that he preached the word. It's interesting. The Bible said in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. And that's John chapter 1. So the Bible said later the word that embodied truth became flesh and dwelt upon men. And the Bible said full of grace and full of truth. It was the word of God. So we're not preaching tonight an opinion. The Bible says that the writer in Hebrew said the word of God is quick. That doesn't mean fast, okay? That means it's alive. When Jesus said to Lazarus, he said, Lazarus, 
Come forth. You know, I like that because someone said that if Jesus hadn't said, Lazarus, come forth, then every corpse that heard Jesus' word would have popped up out of the grave. Because why? The word of God is alive. When Jesus, so preacher, how do I get life in me? Do I come to church? Won't help you. You need the living word of God inside of you. And you know what? If you get some fire, you can look at it. You can feel it. But if you get some fire really near you, man, it'll make you start to move. And it's the same thing with the word of God. The Bible said he'll baptize you with the Holy Ghost and what? With fire. When Jesus comes in, the word of God is alive. It's the word of God. You know, what I'm talking about today is not just the Word of God that is quick, but Hebrews 4 and 12 said it's powerful. The Word of God's powerful. You know, it's a wonderful thing. There was this cartoon that said uh, it was He-Man. I don't know if you know. This is, boy, I don't even know if I watched it. I think my little brother. It was a cartoon. It was dumb. But He-Man was a regular guy, and his name was Adam, actually. He was a regular guy. He had longer hair than me. Everyone has longer hair than me. But he would, he had this, this, by the, he had this sword, right? And he would lift it up and say some stupid stuff. And then he would say, I have the power. And it's interesting because it was the sword that made the difference. And the Bible talks about the word of God as a sword. But, you know, when Jesus spoke, Well, how do you know it was Jesus that spoke and not the Father and not the Spirit? Because Jesus is the Word of God. When Jesus spoke in Genesis and he said, let there be light, you know what happened? There was light. You see, the Word of God is powerful. If God says, come unto me and I'll give you rest, guess what? Come unto him and you'll get rest. And the Bible says not only is it powerful, because he gave us power to become the sons of God. He gave us power, Misa, to become the daughters of God. So how am I going to be good enough? Don't worry about being good enough. Let God be good enough. And you know that uh, in the South they say, God is good. And then people say, all the time. You know what? We don't need to worry about us and who we are. We need to worry about Christ and who he is. The word of God is powerful. And then it said it's sharper than any two-edged sword. I like what Charles Spurgeon said. (laughs) The word of God isn't like a two-edged sword, like He-Man's sword. The word of God isn't a double-edged sword. It said it's sharper. Have you ever cut yourself, excuse me, with a razor, like a really sharp razor? Not on purpose, okay? But it's so sharp, you can't even feel it. It doesn't rip you. It just kind of... It just knocks things open. And then you look at it like, oh, like if you're shaving, you don't even realize you cut yourself until like, oh, I feel the blood running down, right? So the word of God, it'll cut you. You know, the word of God, the Bible says it'll divide asunder the soul and the spirit. It's a spiritual word. It begins to cut things up. You ever come to the house of God and the word of God begins to, you know, you've ever seen those commercials? It slices, it dices, and you see the guy, he's cutting the, everything up, and, and when you come to the house of God, it's like the word of God's like this, and this, and this, and this goes over here, and this, you see, the word of God isn't man's word. The word of God is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The word of God can judge you. Say, so, well, that's, that's your opinion, I know, but our opinion is our opinion, but Jesus preached the word unto them. The word of God's not an opinion. 
The Word of God, I don't know about you, but the Word of God, <laughs> once you get the Word of God in you, the Word of God will begin to tell you, well, how do you fix America? Not by passing laws, okay? It's by putting Christ into hearts. And that's the next thing. See, when the Word of God gets in your heart, He'll say, hey, that's correct. And you'll begin to do it. He'll say, shing, that's not correct. Man, I remember when I got saved and gave my heart to Jesus Christ, I went back to my barracks room and, and threw out a bunch of my literature. And it wasn't necessarily the things that I read in the literature. It was the picture books. You know, men, they regress. They start to read and they regress to looking at pictures. And, uh, but I went to the barracks room and I threw them all out. Why? Because the word of God, it began to divide and say, you know what? You're going back into that dirty barracks room, but you're taking a holy God. You're taking a wise God. And what did the Lord begin to do? He began to divide asunder. You see, well, that stuff that you own, it belongs in the trash. And the word of God will begin to do that in our lives. If we want America to change, we need to get the word out. Get the powerful, living, dividing word of God. And you know, it's an amazing thing. The word of God, when the word of God leaves from his mouth, it won't return void. You see, God's message gets to hearts of men and women. I was talking to someone some time ago, and she said we were inviting her to church, getting the word out. And she said, I don't believe you need to go to church to be a good person. Have you ever heard that? <laughs> and she said, I don't want a card. And we appreciate that. And... Uh, so I began to talk to her about what she said. She said, I don't need to go to believe you don't have to. Can you repeat that, ma'am? She said, I don't believe you have to go to church to be a good person. And I said, well, ma'am, let me just share one thing you said. You said good person. I said, for a good, there has to be an evil. And I said, if there's good and evil, who says what is good? and evil think about it well it's my opinion well you have yours and I have mine what is that called your opinion and my opinion well which one's true you know the world is that way right now everybody wants everybody else to stop their microaggressions and everyone treat me like I want to be treated and not your rights aren't as important as my rights and I look at this way but I talked to the lady and I said I said ma'am if it's just moral relativity there is no good and there is no evil unless there is a law that is above man's law unless there's a word that is above man's opinion and there is in the declaration of independence our country recognized we're endowed not by man's opinion, but by our creator, the Bible says, with certain unalienable rights. The Bible said life, some of which are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But I told her, I said, ma'am, for there to be good and evil, there's got to be a God. And you know what? She's like, uh, my wife said, well, would you like a card? So she said, I'll take one. But you know, God changed her mind. Why? Because she realized, wait a second, for there to be good, there's got to be a God. And I'm thankful not only that there's a God, but there's a good God. And there's many times you can say, ain't God good. That God came, he loved us so much that he came from heaven down to earth and died on a cross that we might go fellowship with him in heaven. Getting the word into hearts. 
The Bible said, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But then it said, How shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? If they don't know. You see, without the preaching of the word and without the word of God, how can you get saved? If the word doesn't get out. There was a gentleman in the Marines, and I'm kind of ashamed to say this, but I'll just, you know. Let me just show you this. But he was in the Marines, and I used to eat lunch with him once in a while. His last name was Castro. And, uh, and uh, well, I know that because it's on the name tags in the Marines. So Bigelow and Castro. And I didn't hang out with a lot of the people from my unit, so we would go eat in these chow halls, and I would eat with Castro. This is in uh, Camp Pendleton, California, in the United States Marine Corps establishment there. And we would just didn't really know him that well. We would talk a little bit, you know, how, you know, one of those casual people that you just happened to see. He wasn't in my unit. Well, I was a Christian and uh, later God called me to Bible school. So I went to Bible school up in Washington State a few years later. So I'm sitting in the church up in Washington State. And I think the Junors have been there and it's a big old church. So Brother Junor, I'm sitting in this church, minding my own business, in Bible school, the call of God. You know, I'm going to be getting the word out. And who comes and sits down beside me in a suit? Castro! <laughs> and do you know the first thing he said to me? He had a little bit of a stutter. He said, ha ha, how come you never invited me to church? And you know what I said? I got my tap dancing shoes on and I started tap dancing. I said, of course, I think I sure I probably did. I, you know, I mean, this is years ago, but that's all that he remembered. Not what we ate for lunch. Not what was going to be on the, the, the training that day. But he wondered why I didn't get the word out. But I thank God he went to Okinawa. Somebody got the word out. And he heard about Jesus. And he gave his life to Jesus. And he made it to Bible school. You know, sometimes ourselves, we can be our own worst enemies. But let's not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need to get the word out. Because it's the only way to come to say it, to salvation. The Bible said, how shall they hear without a preacher? Because why? And it's not the preacher, okay? It's the word of God that the preacher preaches. That's what's important. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The Bible said, without faith, it's impossible to please him. You see that God wants us to have simple faith in the word of God. And you know that when God comes and preaches the word, the word gets results. See, the word of God will get you results. Isaiah chapter 55, and this is where I thought about this message in verse 11. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void or empty. You ever write that on a check when, you, when you're done with your check? You write void. The word of God will never Return empty to God. But it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. You see that the accomplishment of Jesus Christ, when he preached the word, the Bible said that there were four men that had let a man down in the midst who was paralyzed. And Jesus spoke to the man and said, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. 
And then there was a ruckus and people said, who can forgive sins but God? And Jesus had it out with them. And you've probably heard the account several times. And then he, then he said to the man, he said, rise, take up thy bed and walk. Say, well, how much did it cost the man? Man, it didn't cost him anything except going to church. And you know what? That Bible, when you come to the house of God, the Bible said the spirit is given to every man to profit with all. The Bible said, I am the Lord thy God, which teacheth thee to profit. Now, people, when they hear that, they think about, well, preacher, how much money do you have? Well, Pharaoh's daughter, wasn't she She into capitalism? Pharaoh's daughter in Exodus. She went down to the Nile and drew out a little profit. No. But people think that it's just money. But you know what? It's way more than money. Brethren, I've seen people that had money and people that didn't have money. But let me tell you, joy doesn't necessarily increase with money. Now, money is a blessing. It's a tool. But you know, God will give you something even greater than that. The Bible said that out of your life, the fruit of the Spirit, love will begin to come out. Let me, let me ask you, how much does love cost? To get a house full of love. What, 50000 a year? 100000 a year? How about joy? How about joy at Christmas? How much does that cost? 200000 a year? Your house has to be 500000 Your car has... How much does joy cost? How much? How about this? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. How about peace? Peace in your house? You know, my, my wife and my daughter, uh, my wife and my daughter, my wife and I were having a disagreement. My daughter was six months old or something. And I remember we were having a disagreement. We were on a walk. We were pushing the little, you know, stroller. The pram, if you're British, right? And my daughter had this weird look on her face. Why? Because we were having a disagreement and all of my daughter's peace was taken away. Why? Because mom and dad were not agreeing. And it was probably about something really insignificant. Oh, my wife said it's probably my fault. Yes, it's probably my fault. So is that, is that me for, I need to be done preaching, right? The bell's ringing, so. But you know that my daughter and my wife and I still disagree. Why? Because we are strong-willed people. Amen? We are strong. We have, it's not two words of God in the house. You think, right? No. No, thus saith the word of Adam, and thus saith the word of Nadine. Well, but brethren, we know how to disagree, but we know how to love each other and make up. We know how to ask forgiveness. We know how to not let the sun go down in our wrath. We know how to all snuggle up in bed together. We know because, you see, God gives us profit. It's his word. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness. Self-control, temperance. Against such there is no law. You see, no money can give you that, but God can. You see, he gives us profit. At the end of the account, my wife comes to the piano. The Bible says that there was a man who was paralyzed. He lifted up his bed and he began to go home as Jesus commanded him. Four men carried a paralyzed man to Jesus. But at the end of the account, five evangelists walked out. You see one man carrying a bed and four men, they didn't have to carry a lit man. And every one of them had a story to tell. Let me just tell you what 
God can do. Let me tell you what God can do with this word. Let me tell you that God can make your house a house that has peace. He can make your house a house that has joy. Isn't that something? If the neighbors didn't hear you arguing and yelling, they heard you laughing and singing. They heard you praising God or they didn't hear anything. (laughs) Because of the peace and the love and the joy that God's word profited us. You see, God's word not only can heal, it can save. But God's word will prosper the thing we're into, he sent it. That's why Jesus preached the word. God wants to prosper your life. But with heads bowed and eyes closed, God wants to do a work with his word in you.